Marcus here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at Market Street. The cross. It was meant to horrify the world. It was meant for humiliation. It was meant to last for days. It was meant for slow asphyxiation. It was meant to prolong torture. It was the Roman soldier's job. It was meant to be used by Caesar, but instead, it was used by God. It was meant to stop a movement, but instead, it became the way. It was meant to act on fear, but instead, it awakened faith. It was meant to be vicious and violent, but instead, it became our peace. It was meant to uproot hope, but instead, it became the seed. It was meant to punish captives, but instead, it unleashed freedom. It was meant to build up Rome, but instead, it built God's kingdom. It was meant to discourage rebels. It was meant to stop insurrection. It was meant to put down Jesus, but instead it set up his resurrection. It was meant to jeer and mock him, but instead it was his glory. It was meant to erase a chapter, but instead it became the story. It was meant to hold up convicts, but instead it raised up a king. It was meant to shut our mouth, but instead it's why we sing. It was meant to be a judgment, but instead it became our mercy. It's why the song of heaven is the lamb. The lamb is worthy. It was meant to kill an enemy, crush dissenters and diversion, but instead it became the banner of God's love for every person. It was meant to be appalling, nailing hands and feet to wood. It was meant to be used for evil, but instead it was used for good. It was meant to be a symbol of God's assassination, but instead it became the symbol of Jesus's invitation. Come to the cross. Instead of sin and stain, you are meant to be made clean. Instead of being forgotten, you are meant to know your sin. Instead of being ashamed, you can leave behind your guilt. Instead of feeling empty, you were meant to be fulfilled. Instead of being broken, you are meant to be made whole. Here, Calvary is calling. It beckons you. Behold, come to the cross. Instead of being an accident, you have a purpose and a plan. Instead of being abandoned, you were chosen by his hand. For all who've said, I can't, God has said, I can. No matter what you've done, the invitation stands. Come to the cross. Instead of being doubtful, you are meant to know your father. You are meant to be his son and you are meant to be his daughter. You were cherished from the start. You were always in the picture. Instead of being a victim, you were meant to be a victor. The result of Jesus' blood, salvation has arrived. Instead of being dead, you are meant to be a
The cross, it was meant to signal death, but instead, it's a sign of living. It was meant to be the end, but instead, it's our beginning. thank you for today for you sending your son Jesus to die on the cross your one and only son so that we might have life and have it to the fullest that we may have eternal life I know that I couldn't have sent my own son for sure but you did with yours and I'm thankful for that and so I just pray I thank you for the people who are here this morning Pray that we open up our hearts, that we open up our minds to your word, Father, and just speak to us. Help us to recognize that the cross that Jesus carried and that he hung on, it was done for us. It was done for the crosses that we have in our lives, for the burdens that we bear, for the struggles that we come in here with. We, we come in looking good on the outside, but some of us are broken on the inside, Father, seeking to fill that God-shaped hole in our heart. And so I pray that you would work in that this morning, that your Holy Spirit would just move in us and move us closer to you. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome this morning. We are so glad that you are here with us. Um, if you didn't find a seat, come on in. There's plenty. There's the what I call up here. You guys are afraid of the Holy Spit area up here. Because when I get wound up, I get, I get going, and, and, uh, and I might spit a little. So some of you are afraid of that. Some of you might know that. That's okay. But we're just glad that you're here. Um, happy Easter to all of you. We are so glad that you're here. The kids are jamming and having fun over there. I popped in real quick to check on them. They're having a great time, and they are just, they are just having, having an awesome time over there. So this morning, as we... Look at the resurrection. It truly is a beautiful thing. I am here because of that. You are here because of that this morning. We have the opportunity to have new and fresh life breathed into us and in us. We're going to look at a passage of scripture that happens about two weeks after um, Jesus died on the cross and then he was resurrected. We're going to look at a guy named Peter. And I believe that many of us are like Peter. You see, Peter, I don't know if you know the story about him or who he was or what he did, but back before Jesus was crucified on the cross, he was the guy who said, I'll never deny you. I will stand with you. I will walk with you. I will be there. And you know what happened to Peter? He denied. He denied Jesus three times. Three times before the rooster crowed. This was a man who was human like you and I. He was excited about what was going on in the moment. But then when a tragedy hit, he took a step back. 
He took a step back. Some of you are in here, many of us have, have experienced tragedy in our lives. And we've taken a step back from something. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's friends. I don't know. He didn't know what to do or where to turn. The one that he followed was about to be crucified. And so he took that step back. He went on, and you hear the story, and it goes to say that he did truly deny Jesus three times. He got so upset that he was very angry and cursed about it. Deny Jesus. I don't know him. Two weeks later, we see this passage. We see it. This is the third time that Jesus meets with his disciples. There's something about three that's special. On the third day, he rose. This third meeting, for those of you that have your Bibles, we're going to go to John chapter 21. Verses 15 through 19. If you have, you can follow along on the slides, or if you have your phone, um, you, can, um, you can go there as well. It says this. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Goes on. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. Verse 17. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And in verse 19, it says this. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. How many of you, by raise of hands, have ever followed somebody somewhere? How many of you have ever followed somebody and you probably shouldn't have? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. As we look at these verses, and if you go back to the beginning of John chapter 21, you see that they go out into the boat. You see here that oftentimes in trauma and struggle in our life and strife, we tend to return to what it is that we know best. We're going to look at the four R's in resurrection. 
And if you're an English teacher, I know there are not four R's in resurrection. There's only three. But I wanted to make sure that you were paying attention this morning. The first is this, is to return. It says this in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. The love that Jesus is talking about here is agapeo. It's the ultimate, the unconditional type of love. The love that you as parents have for a child. I began to understand unconditional love in my life when my first child was born. And the doctor smacked him on the butt and said, here you go, dad. And I'm like, whoa, what do I do with this thing? But I loved him from the start. Unconditional. There were no conditions surrounding it. But see, Peter, he was grieving. He was hurting. He returned to what he knew. Jesus caught him out fishing. Jesus had called him to follow him and to be a disciple, to, to preach the word. But when he denied him three times, he felt unworthy. He didn't feel worthy anymore. He took a step back. He returned to what he knew. Think about it. Think about the sin that maybe you have or the struggle, the habit, the hurt, the hang-up that's in your life. Peter had to wake up to the rooster crowing every single morning. Where did he go to get away from it? He went back to what he knew. He went to the sea to catch the fish. He returned to what he knew. And so when he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. It's a phileo love. It's, I have an affection for you. Because here's the thing is, when you walk with somebody like that, when you love somebody genuinely and you give them your all and then they break your heart, how is it that the response is? It's not good. But it's different with Jesus. And Peter's about to see how different it is. He has an unconditional love for him. But Peter says, I have an affection for you. He's put his hands up. He's saying, I'm not going back there. I told you that I would never die, or I would die for you. I would never deny you. But yet he did it. His heart was broken. I think in this moment, as he was hearing this, I'm wondering if he was remembering what was told to him before Jesus went to the cross as they sit and they, and they had communion together. He said, Satan has asked to sift you. And he said, brother, when you come back, 
You're going to go out and be stronger and reach your brothers. In this moment, I'm sure that as he got out into the boat, if, if, we, if you go back and read the verses before this, going out into the boat and throwing the net over to the side and catching the fish, Jesus did this with these guys before. They had a relationship of this. He was reminding him of that. That had to be so painful. It's like walking through your house when you've had a breakup with somebody or a divorce and you see things that remind you of them. It hurts. It's painful. You feel all these mixed emotions. Here's a man. He says, you know I love you. But he's put his hands on him. And he's loving from a distance. The second R is to reveal. Reveal. It says this in the verse 16 here. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Take care of my sheep. He's revealing to him his calling. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in some tough situations in my life. I've lost people that I love dearly. Not even a year before my anniversary, our first anniversary, I lost my son, my firstborn son. My wife crashed on the operating table. God brought her back to life. And she's here today, and God's given us two beautiful boys that drive me crazy. <laughs> Every single one of you has a story. And today... I believe that God wants to reveal to you the love that he has for you. You're not here by mistake. I'm not here by mistake. I'm here because my parents dedicated me to the Lord. I was farther from the Lord than any of you are now at age 17. You can go back and ask some Facebook friends that I went to school with. They still can't believe I'm a pastor. They still don't believe it. Sometimes I don't believe it because that's not what I had planned for my life. I was leaning into the ways of the world. I'd been hurt by people. I was traveling down a road of destruction. And then I went and heard, heard this huge man named Adrian Dupree. He's about 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and he preaches and he talks really fast. <clears throat> I went to this youth retreat. I'm an 18-year-old boy. I hear that there's girls going to be there. I'm going. But what I found was true love. Love from the Father. My heavenly Father. Jesus, he revealed to me. He showed me. He showed me the plans that he had for me. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He's asking with the same intent, with this high form of love. And Peter responds the same way, I love you, I have an affection for you. He's broken, he's hurting. 
He keeps God at a distance. He keeps God at a distance. He says, Jesus says, take care of my sheep. He's calling him back. He's revealing to him what it is that he wants him to do. See, God has called us to be disciples who make disciples, to share our Christian faith with one another, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, for me, that's very easy. I've never, ever met a stranger in my life. For some of you, like, I don't want to talk to people. Like, I met my brother this morning right here, and some people are like, do you know him? I'm like, no, I don't know him. But it's cool. I know him now. Many of you. We push back. He's called, he's called us to take care of the sheep. The third R is to restore. <clears throat> it says in... John 21, 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Do you know why he asked the third time? Peter denied him three times. He had to, Jesus had to give him a little bit of a butt whooping for what he did. To challenge him. To push him. Here when Jesus says, do you love me? He comes down to Peter's level. Peter couldn't go to Jesus' level. But Jesus came to his level. And what I want you to know this morning, whether you're joining us online or whether you're joining us here in the room, up in the balcony in the back, is that Jesus is right here on the same level as you and I. Whatever it is in your heart that is burdening you this morning, it's not too big for Jesus. Amen. And if you want to know and you want to hear that story, I'll talk to you about it later. How do I know? Because I know what he did in my life. I know where I was headed without him. I loved to hustle in the world. But now God has me hustling for him, reaching people for Jesus, loving on people. He took my big mouth and made it a big mouth for him. Now, don't get me wrong. I still get in trouble once in a while with it. But he restores. He's restored me, and he wants to restore you. Do you love me, he said? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my sheep. He's restoring him back. He's restoring him back. Jesus is right here on your level. Whatever it's going on in your life, it's not too big for Jesus. It's not too big for Jesus. He's walked with me through some painful things in my life. And I'm here today because of him. I'm a man just like you. I put on my pants one leg at a time. I try to do it two legs at a time, and I fall every time. It's not easy. I have the same choice that you do. I have the same choice that you had this morning. I had the same choice that you did. I either choose to get up and live my life for Jesus, or I choose to get up and live my life in the world. 
And my worst day with Jesus is better than my best day without him. Amen. The fourth R is release. And this one is not easy for us. It goes on and it says in 18 and 19, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. As the worship team comes up and we begin to close. There's a heaviness of release that needs to take place in this room. There's two kinds of release that need to take place. Jesus was calling Peter back. There are some of you that have known Jesus in your life and you've stepped away from him. You've had hurts, you've had traumas, you have habits, you have hang-ups, and you've stepped away. He has called you to something specific in your life, and you're running from it. You are running from it. You have money, you have cars, you have kids, you have success, but you don't have the joy of the Lord. And that's because he's calling you back to follow him. He said it once when he called him, and now he's calling him back. To stop being a fisher of fish, but to be a fisher of men. There's some of you in this room, and there are some of you on the, uh, joining us live or upstairs. He's calling you back. He's calling you back to follow him. You need to release whatever it is that's holding you back. Those of you that have that calling, I want you to know that God wants to release you back into that today. You are never too old. You are never too old. When I was going to school, going through seminary, there was an 86-year-old lady in my class. I was like, why are you doing this? She said, because I want to be like Jesus, and I want to learn more about him. She was such an encouragement to me. And I said to myself, man, I hope I have that much charisma and spunk when I'm 86 to sit in a classroom with a bunch of dumb 19 and 20-year-olds. <laughs> release. There's some of you that need to release the pain that you're carrying in your life. You're hurting this morning. You're pushing it down deep. You've lost a child. You had a broken marriage that you didn't expect. You had a friend hurt you. You've been crushed. You've lost a friend, a teenager. You've lost one of your peers. You don't know how to handle it. You're struggling. You need to release it. 
One last set of verses. John doesn't talk about this, but Matthew does, and it's very key and it's very important to why it is that we do what we do. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And verse 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 20 says this, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. For surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is why Jesus came. To give us life. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I can't tell people my story. 1999, in Ohio, I accepted Jesus into my life. July 4th, 2000, I was in Toronto, Canada, at a college, at a bar, giving my life to Jesus on the college campus. I was in an event there where we were going out and we were talking to people about Jesus. And I got the call into ministry there. My youth pastor nudged me. He said, hey, you need to be up there. I said, I'm not in the band. I don't sing. He said, no, you have a call on your life into ministry. And I began to take that step. I knew nothing but John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's the only verse I knew. The next day, day two, I'm out there, and I come back, and I said, hey, Pastor Tim, I said, uh, can you tell me, is there a book of Romans in the Bible? That's how little I knew about this. He said, yeah. I said, there's some kind of alignment, and I was sharing it with people. He said, yeah, it's called the Romans Road. And I said, wow. And I began to talk to people about Jesus, and you know what I shared with them? I shared with them my story, my testimony. See, God uses our story for his glory. Some of you have some habits and hurts and hangups in your life, and you're ashamed of them. And that's where the devil wants to keep you. He wants you to feel dead. But see, death was defeated for us on the cross. Death was defeated so that you could take a step forward, so that you can lean into people. I can't be everywhere. I can't do it. You are the only Jesus that some people's ever going to see in their life. big deal. So you need to be released, and I want to give you that release. I believe that God is saying to tell you it's okay. Your past doesn't have to determine your future. What you did in your past does not have to define your future. Jesus poured out his blood on the cross for us. I want us to ask this question. We're going to go to worship. What do you need to release to Jesus so he can release you to release others? As the worship team begins to play, for those of you that don't know me, I grew up high school days in Tennessee. 
I went to a Baptist church for a while and then a Pentecostal church for a while. So I'm Baptocostal. It's just the way it works. As I think about Easter, I think about going to church with my grandparents. I think about the egg hunts we did before service. I think about the blue carpet in the Baptist church and the blue pews. I kind of think that we have chairs. Those pews were not comfortable. I can remember a preacher standing up front giving a word. I can remember my grandparents thinking that was always going to be the way it was that I came to Jesus, but it wasn't. That's okay. What do you need to release to Jesus so that he can release you to release others? These altars are open this morning. If you need to lay something at the altar, lay it down and let it go. Let it go, look at the cross, and give it to Jesus. You got to learn to hold everything with a loose grip. Think about that. A loose grip. But instead we hold tightly because that's my hurt, that's my pain, that's my sin. No. It's not yours. It's not yours, it's his. And he took it for you. And he took it for me. Release. It's okay to release it. It's okay to let it go. It doesn't mean that you don't love that person. It doesn't mean that you don't care for them. It means that you recognize that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That he was born a king, that he died a king, and that he was resurrected on the third day as a king. And when he comes back to this earth, he will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What is it that you need to release to him so that you can help release others? When I lost my son and I went back to work, my boss came out and gave me a hug and he said, when you're done, come into my office. I want to talk to you. And I know some of you have heard this story. I walked into his office and he said, son, which he could because he was older than me. I got something to tell you. He said, I lost my son, my firstborn. My wife's always been able to share this story, but I've never had the opportunity. I lost my firstborn, and it was the toughest thing I ever went through. And I fell into his arms and wept because he understood. When he said he loved me, He loved me like Jesus loved me. It was an unconditional love because he understood what it was that I went through. That's the invitation this morning, to release it because your story can be what helps someone else. In my days of struggle, in my days of questioning Jesus and why he took my son, it's a long story and it's a crazy story and I can't get all into it. When we move back here, I had a homicide detective out of Detroit show up and tell me that they didn't properly take care of my son's body at the hospital. I had to tear up years, years of a paved road in my life of believing that my son's body was properly handled and it was not. 
And to this day, I'm still left without answers. But the one true answer that matters the most is that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And that someday, I'll see my son in heaven. Whatever it is that you need to release, release it because God's calling you. Men and women, he's calling you to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. For those of you that are holding on to pain, you need to release it to him because you need to be a release to somebody that's in your life that you haven't even met yet. Maybe you haven't even come in contact with them. A little over a year ago, I had my first opportunity to meet with a very dear brother who lost his son and walked that road with him, and it's painful. But it's a reminder and it's a humbling of where we come. Father, this morning, I thank you. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. I thank you that we can come to the foot of the cross and we can lay things down. Whether we do it in our seats or whether we come here and do it, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that we're releasing it so that you can release us to do what it is that you've called to do. Thank you for this example and this story of Peter who is very much like many of us. As we step into this time of worship and close out this service today, Father, speak to our hearts. Amen. Please feel free to stand together as we worship.
donuts and all of that. It is great. But ultimately, Jesus, I thank you for your blood that was shed, for your body that was beaten and broken for each and every one of us. That you rose again, that you, that you conquered the grave, that you defeated death for us. I pray that as we go out and as we enjoy ham and potatoes and all that wonderful stuff, that we remember not just today but tomorrow that you want us to release over to you our habits and our hurts and our hang-ups, our sin, our sin that's in our lives. It's not ours to carry, it's yours. And so help us to lay it at the foot of the cross and give it over to you. And that each and every day we can become more and more like you and come closer to you. Thank you. Thank you for the unconditional love, for loving me, boy from the streets of Pontiac who had different plans for his life but you called me to something more thank you for each and every one in this room that you've called to something so much more pray all of these things in your name amen, amen. have a happy Easter you are dismissed stop at the back and greet me I'd love to talk to all